Have you wondered about living elsewhere in your retirement? Well, we have almost daily. No, it's not a simple decision, especially when two people are involved. Hi, this is Gil and Jean of Retire There, a podcast about retirement destinations. We live in Brooklyn, New York, having grown up and worked in this area of the country. We're hoping to relocate when we're both retired. For us, it's the weather, the chaos, the noise, and the yearning to be near nature and not within three feet of human beings. <laughs> That's right. In February 2020, we embarked on our journey to find that special place. We spent a week in Winter Park, Florida, which is beautiful, but something said it wasn't for us. As we were planning for the next trip, the pandemic arrived. Jean then gave birth. I gave birth? To this podcast. With so many baby boomers retiring, many must be relocating. Why not connect with and learn from them? Here's a little background about us. I'm Asian, born in Brazil, and grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I'm an engineer turned attorney turned podcaster. I recently retired from a university career practicing higher education law. I love the academic environment, but it was time to do something else. I no longer have to set an alarm, drive in BQE traffic, or work with people who don't always share the same principles. Oh, did I just say that? <laughs> you bet I did. I traded all that in to binge crime dramas into the wee hours just a little bit to develop the podcast, to volunteer, practice metalsmithing, tackle our possessions. No regrets so far, Jane. I'm not Asian, and as Gil mentioned, I'm not retired. I'm just plain tired. Born and raised in Long Island, New York, a place I always wanted to leave. I'm a law librarian working in a court who loves his job, but we're retired by the time we select our ideal location. We will be speaking to folks from across the street to across the globe who have moved to their dream venues and more. So please stay tuned. And remember, if you know anyone who has moved anywhere for retirement, let us know. Thank you. Ciao, Amici. Today, we visit Santa Vittoria in Martinano in the region of Marche, Italy. Did I say that right? Kind of. Mostly. Okay, it'll do. Our guests, Mark Hinshaw and Sonny Savina Bertolini, moved here from Seattle, Washington, five years ago. Congratulations, guys. And happy birthday, Mark. Well, it's coming up in August, not quite. All right. Well, oh. 2022. Yeah, all, right, all, right, all right. All right. Santa Vittoria is a small historic municipality in the province of Fermo in the central Italian region of Marche. Marche sits between the Adriatic Sea and the Apennine Mountains. It borders Umbria and Tuscany and is divided into five provinces, Ascoli, Piceno, Ascoli Piceno. Ascoli Piceno. Maserata. Macerata. Macerata. Ancona. 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 Pesaro. Pesaro. Oh, Pesaro. And Fermo. Oh, wow. Almost got that, Gene. This is embarrassing. (laughs) It has many small villages and medieval towns, farmland, beaches, and overall spectacular scenery. It's a quiet and rural. So it's a wonder that it's the official shoemaking district in Italy. It has long served as the ancestral home of the country's artisanal shoe trade. Today, 
It is still dotted with footwear factories of all types, from large-scale facilities employing the better part of entire towns to hole-in-the-wall workshops lining cobblestone streets. Santa Vittoria was the inspiration for The Secret of Santa Vittoria, a 1969 film based on the best-selling novel by Robert Crichton. Unfortunately, the town could not be used as the backdrop for the movie because it has become too modernized since the Second World War period in which the film's story was set. And now, a little about our guests. Mark Hinshaw was born in Los Angeles, lived with his family in Minnesota and Oklahoma. As an adult, he lived for a short while in Memphis, then New York City, where he held his first full-time job. Ah, land of the architects, Mark. (laughs) I've always wanted to be an architect. Didn't want to do that five years, so I settled for engineering. (laughs) Thereafter, he served in the military in Alaska for several years. For 40 plus years, he lived in Seattle. He attended University of Oklahoma, earning a bachelor's in architecture, and Hunter College of the City University of New York, earning a master's in urban planning. My former employer just retired, right, Gene? Oh, yeah. He worked as an architect and city planner. Finally, for the last 20 years, he concentrated on urban design, which is a cross between the two. Mark has written two books, which we will list in the show notes, and numerous articles for online publications in the United States and Italy. So while he's retired from two of his three career paths, writing continues as he has even more time to devote to it. Mark's interests include cinema, traveling, eating as many different foods as he can find. Oh, man, we are like twins and helping others with questions about immigrating to Italy. Mark shared some wisdom with us. Moving to Italy is essentially restarting your life. Nothing you learned growing up and being an adult will transfer here. Every custom code, law, protocol, noun, verb, unit of measure, price, process and document is different. Don't we know it, Gene? Oh, yeah. We eloped to Florence, Firenze. So Lord knows we went through that bureaucratic uh, governmental process. Congratulations on that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Many years ago. It's like being a child again. There was no point in comparing how things were done better or faster in the U.S. Italy isn't going to change because someone new showed up. It's best to adapt, he says. And he also tells people, learn to laugh and laugh a lot after you finish crying. Oh, that's just so precious. Jean? Sunny was born in the Seattle area and lived there most of her life. For a couple of years, she lived with her family on a remote cattle farm in Montana. She attended community college, but her skills are mostly self-taught and skills she has. Oh, yeah. I've seen a lot of her work. Amazing. Very talented. Highly skilled. Sunny has had a variety of jobs over the years, but also raised two children to adulthood. She had a custom sewing business while her children were young. Once they were in their 20s, she opened an herbal medicine shop in Pioneer Square in the underground passages below the Grand Central Bakery. Wow, sounds mysterious. (laughs) She chose to close it when the couple initiated plans to move to Italy. Now she's in the process of growing a clientele in Italy. Since the couple moved abroad, they've made amazing connections with Italians who have been very helpful and generous. One of these led to being offered a job in a nearby vocational educational high school teaching students to design and fabricate clothing. The high school offers classes in English, and they're required to have a certain proportion of madre lingua. Madre lingua. Of madre lingua teachers. She was given special permission to work as an esperto speciale estero. Esterno. External special expert. Because she is an English speaker who knows how to make custom clothes. She's also fluent in Italian, 
She can make accurate translations of techniques. She also does English revision proofreading for grammatical mistakes for a translator, as well as sewing commissions for historical hand-sewn clothing. Her interests include helping people with herbal medicines, traveling, cooking, Italian, as well as food for many other cultures. They are foodies. Also, photography, sewing historical clothing, primarily from the 17th through 19th centuries. Painting, Sunny believes being respectful and kind to others in Italy makes a huge difference in everything. The Italians, like many others, respond very positively to people who genuinely want to be part of their culture and community. And by the way, Gene is half Italian, can't you tell? Oh, it's ragingly obvious, Gene. <laughs> he's got the... Is that a recessive long... Gene to make a pun? He's got, <laughs> he's got the Long Island. My mother wasn't even born in Italy, though. Uh, D'Alessandro. Okay, okay. Mark and Sonny, thank you for joining our show. This is our third podcast about Italy. We've covered Sicily and Florence. And as I mentioned a moment ago, Florence has been a city near to our hearts. So guys, please share with us, how did you wind up in this rural area in the Marquette region of Italy? Mark and I visited Italy for the first time. Almost together. together. Almost. Mark has been coming to Italy for probably the majority of my lifetime. We came to see Italy after France, the first time I visited Europe, because as you can tell from my name, my family is originally from Italy. And I knew very little about my family and even less about the culture. But as soon as I arrived here, I loved it. And the next time we decided to travel to Italy, I suggested, why don't we go somewhere you haven't been? Because everywhere we went the first time were places Mark was revisiting, which has its own appeal. I would prefer that we could see them for the first time together. And so he suggested that I find a place, and I did. Ah. So I suggested Marche. And then after we visited, we realized just how much we loved it here. Neither one of us enjoys tourist oriented places. Neither one of us really enjoys going to anywhere that has a long line, hundreds <laughs> of people trying to get in. For us, that doesn't hold a lot of appeal. Marque is not a tourist destination. It's a little difficult to get to. It's pretty much like Italy used to be in the rest of the country that's been overrun by tourism. Wow. And we are kind of hoping that we'll be long dead by the time that it becomes <laughs> commercialized. <laughs> <laughs> to such a grand way. You know, I don't want Florence on my doorstep. <laughs> so we chose this place based on those kinds of preferences. Mm -hmm. um, and I should, I should also mention that even though I've been coming here for many years, decades, in fact, I didn't know about this region. I'd never heard of it. When Sonny mentioned it, I started asking friends who were also familiar with Italy if they knew about it because you know, I was just curious, piqued my curiosity, and they didn't know about it. So it, oh. it's kind of a, a secret hiding in plain sight, at least for Americans. I mean, I think Brits discovered it probably 20 years ago, and it's sometimes been called the next Tuscany. I don't know. It seems like a little bit of a hyperbole oh. to say that. It's, or Tuscany without tourists is another kind Interesting. of Interesting. That's reasonably accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, well, I mean, it's, it's the same kind of history, same era, same, same architecture, beautiful landscapes, all the same stuff, vineyards you know, all of the same ingredients as the rest of Italy has, just not inundated with tourists. So far as we can tell, although it may have changed just recently, we're the only Americans within 
a 10 kilometer radius. We're, we're just by ourselves, you know. Wow. We're an anomaly. I just, yeah, I, that was that was going to be my other question. Very interesting. So when I picture the boot, I see this. Well, this is in the kind of north central. I was just going to say the back <laughs> of my knee and go down an inch, right? right? But above the shin, kind of like the top of the calf. <laughs> but how did you, in particular, though, there's got to be other areas, like something must have drawn you to pinpoint that, Sonny. Uh, there were a number of things. <clears throat> Originally, it was merely vacation. The idea of being in a place from which you could get to Rome and also to Venice and all the other major airports were all approximately the same distance away. So it was kind of a centralized area. And everything I read about Marque was saying how beautiful it was. Oh. Now, granted, there wasn't a lot to read. But what I did read was saying it's the most beautiful place that you could go in Italy. So I went, well, there is also museums here that have traced back to my family origins wow. so that wow. the culture that my family came from actually emigrated here the Piceni so I was kind of curious about that and there were a lot of Roman ruins and so there were a number of factors that were related to our vacation once we actually arrived here we realized that it had so much more the best there's a saying the saying about the food that when an Italian wants mama's cooking he goes to market and here the Italians will say that Marche has the best food in Italy. And since we consider Italy, Italian to be the best food in the world, then it means that Marche has the best food in the world. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Deduction. Well, yes. also it's worth mentioning that at that point in time, which was 10 years ago, I wasn't contemplating retiring. I was still active professionally, wasn't on the radar screen. We weren't even talking about it. I had no serious thoughts about coming here. So we weren't looking at it through that lens. Mm. It was more just, oh, gee, this is like like a, a completely fascinating place. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, let's just learn more about it and look look around. So Very cool. So, so how yeah. close is the nearest international airport? Three hours. Well, it depends on what you mean by international. There is an airport in Ancona, and it can get you to Germany or England or France. Oh. It doesn't have a lot of flights. It's not a busy airport. Mm -hmm. But it isn't necessarily not international. It is international, at least as least as getting you to Europe. And they have flights actually to China from there in the summer. Mm, so wow. it's just more of a seasonal airport, small. There's a two-hour drive away to Bologna, mm. two and a half maybe. Yeah. And Bologna can get you anywhere in the world. There's uh, several other regional airports that can get you within Italy or to somewhere nearby like France. And then, of course, there's Venice, which is a four or five-hour drive. And then there's Rome, which is a four or five-hour drive, depending on conditions and which route you okay. take. So we've been to pretty much all of those places. Okay. Yeah, it put, put it in a little different perspective. This is not a big country, yeah. almost like a, like a state sure. you know, yeah, yeah. in the U.S., and yet there are more than 15 international airports. Wow. And a lot of people don't think of them, but Pisa, you know, Milan. Florence, oh. Milan, 
Mm-hmm. Venice. Mm-hmm. All the yeah. main cities. Uh, Rome has two. Naples. I mean, right. it isn't air tra- transport is, if anything, mm-hmm. insanely easy. Right. You know, it's uh, funny. My, my sister, when she worked for Barney's actually at one point, and she would go to Italy all the time to look at shoes and so forth. And here we are interviewing the shoe capital. So <laughs> how cool is that? And she would pick up Jean's favorite character that we have a whole box of that's boxed up that will go with us everywhere, probably uh, Topo Gigio. Oh, so yeah, yeah, so he's got about 40 of them. <laughs> she was oh, bring- before your time. I, I guess that's before your time. Oh, yeah. She's too young. To know Topo. No, Ed Sullivan. I'm not that young. But let me mention as of we're in April, the euro is a dollar and eight cents in the United States. One kilometer is six tenths of a mile, because I know you guys are going to start talking metric. And 10 degrees Celsius is 50 plus or minus Fahrenheit degrees. Let me ask that Marques looks absolutely beautiful. I've seen some photographs. But in terms of costs, is it significantly less expensive in terms of real estate than Tuscany? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. About half. I don't, I'm not even Really? Wanna, I'm not even want to share when to shock people. Yeah. I mean, it's so dramatically so. It's so it's. I mean, we were shocked. <laughs> That's it's wonderful. Shocking. Well, I don't know if you want to share this or not. It's a little awkward, but go it, ahead. Should I mention? I mean, this is like the biggest house, like I said, I've ever lived in. You know, oh, four, he's going to tell you what we pay for, for the 4, house. Four thousand square feet. Now, under Italian law, they only count for tax purposes what is viewed as habitable, which essentially comes down to heated space. Makes sense. Yeah. You know, yeah. the winters get cold. So half that is attic, cellar, storage, garage, garage and workshop. Uh, so half of Tavino. that is right off, whether you include it or not in the 4,000. But at least if you take all that stuff out, it's about 2,200 square feet. Still so the, big. Still there's big. about 2,000 square feet in, in terms of American terms. That yeah. is yeah. what we would say as the main house. Yeah. Then we have the sofita, which is the attic. We have the cantina, which is the cellar. We have a giant garage that has a terrazzo on top of it. Oh my God. Uh, that has panoramic <laughs> views of wow. all of Marche. We can see the ocean. We can see Ancona. We can see Ascoli. We can see everything. And then you have a second kitchen, which is a little building off the garage. And that I've turned into a laboratorio where I make the herbal medicines. And then off of the laboratorio, there's a garden. Wow. So, wow. And then there's a parking space in the front. Two. It's off. Two. God. Well, two. But enough for two very small cars. And it's, you know, fenced off and so forth. The house itself, where you would live, is about double what we've ever owned in the U.S. It's quite large. There well, are... 2,000 square feet is sizable space. Big, yeah. Yeah. So we have six bedrooms, two oh. bathrooms, <laughs> sala de pranzo, which is a formal dining room, a very large kitchen by Italian standards. Most uh, kitchens are like these tiny little cupboards mm. and mine is a room big wow. enough for a table a cutting board center a giant china cabinet a chair for mark in the corner a fireplace <laughs> and then all the stuff for the kitchen <laughs> as well so it's a big room which we will eventually remodel because you know that's what one does and the library and then we have the library which is a salon room that was <laughs> very 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 nicely appointed when we moved in with a turn of the century Venetian furniture, which was incredible and had been reupholstered. So it was just immaculate. Can't believe uh, instead of a settee and well, you see, they included all the furniture. So wow in the price needed to live. We had beds, we had cupboards, we had kitchen, we had even the dishes. 
Wow. Were the owners uh, still living in it when you guys looked? No, no. You see, it was the matriarch's house and she had passed away five years before. And so both children had already moved long ago and had their own homes with wives oh, and children. And didn't want this. They're, 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 our, was, they're my age. They were just, it was just a tax burden at that point <laughs> okay. that you have to pay taxes okay. on. So I think Mark would love to share the story of how we managed to find and acquire this amazing house in that when we finally started the process of looking for a house, we looked at so many properties And some of them were everything from there's no way we're going to afford that to literal, we'll have to tear that down and start (laughs) over kind of situations. Every conceivable variety of different houses, because we didn't really have a clear idea of what we wanted. We had a list of things that were necessary and things that we would like. Then there were a few of those, you know, like a view would be lovely, but it's Mm -hmm. not really a requirement. And then we walked into this place, of course, and there was this amazing view and every single thing on the list, plus a few we hadn't thought of. So we went, okay, this is about right. And it was affordable? Yes, um, actually. We're building building on to that. Yes. (laughs) Ah, I thought you forgot. (laughs) Oh, no, we didn't forget. You're making us us salivate. The story gets better, though, you see. Okay, okay. When we talked before that parts of the house date back to eighteen mid-1800s. The main part of the house was probably that. Now, there's some that more this recent, part. we don't know exactly the dates on that, but 1850 is the bulk of the house. Then part of the house below the main house, under the house, which is now the cellar, dates back to the 1620s. Wow. Before the pilgrims landed. <laughs> <laughs> the wall that this, the house, the city wall that the house is built on, that's it essentially is locked into the city wall, which is five feet thick oh. and our so, cellar goes down through yeah. it oh my was built wow. in, nine, in 980 oh my goodness <laughs> so, <laughs> so i mean there are all these i mean the list just keeps going on you know i mean we, could, we could talk about another hour the the way that we arrived at this house was that immobiliare which is a kind of like a cross between a real estate agent and a lawyer. So it doesn't translate well. But immobiliare, a good one, is essential in Italy because they have extremely non-negotiable inheritance laws. You have to have someone who verifies that there are no heirs Mm. to your property because if you were to purchase that property, remodel it, spend 100,000 euros... (laughs) And they have a claim. (laughs) And then some little person comes along and says, excuse me, but I'm the heir. You literally could lose your house. So one... one needs to be quite diligent about this. So a yes. good immobiliare is essential. And she told us about this house. Now we had seen photos of this house online <laughs> and it looked absolutely atrocious. Oh. He took very bad photos. The owner. Mm. The owner oh, took oh, just like the worst possible. Benefit. Which we really appreciate. Yeah, really. And, <laughs> and no, no photo of the view. Of the view. <laughs> Oh my god. Or with the windows open so the light could come in. They were all closed shutter photos. It was like at night almost. Dismal, it was dismal. Di- dismal looking, dingy looking, terrible. So anyway, we said, all right, well, fine. We'll go have lunch there or something. And even if we don't like it, it's not that important. And we walked in and went, this doesn't look anything like the photos. <laughs> and it was gorgeous, just absolutely gorgeous and filled with antiques that had been built for the house that matched the doors. I mean, it was amazing. Wow. And so we went back to our, our little cabin we were staying in and we thought about it. We said, you know, I want to see that again. I, I definitely want to see that again. Let's go make sure. This is just as good the second time, right? And th- on that occasion, the owner, Alberto Scufia, insisted that he had to meet us. 
And that's very odd. That's not usually the way things are done. But the immobilier said that he absolutely was insistent upon it. So we didn't care. It was all the same to us. We came in and Alberto spoke about four words of English and I spoke about four words of Italian, but we managed. The gist of the story is thus. His mother had a number of, shall we say, vendetta or feuds or what have you, <laughs> people in the town who wanted to tear down part of her property because of the best view in Marche. She had the garage with the terraces and the garden and the laboratory. They're all old kind of scuffy buildings. They're not nice. And someone wanted to buy those lots because we actually have three lots. They're small. but They're small lots, but we have three. And because the garage is on one and the garden and laboratory is on another, they wanted to buy it and build a house on this glorious view. And she refused, of course, being her. The person says, well, I'm just going to wait till you die and then I'll buy it. <laughs> And so she made her son promise on her deathbed not to sell it to anyone Italian. <laughs> this is amazing. She, she, but said, she said sell it to a foreigner. Had to be to a foreigner because then the person who said that they were going to build on her property couldn't do it because they'd be foreigners and they wouldn't be interested in their whatever their issues were. Well, the funny part of that was is that I'm technically Italian. Right. So he right. got the best of both worlds. And that that point, after he met us and saw how excited we were about the house and how much we loved the house, and he decided that no one but us would do. He held the house as is, and waited for us to sell our other property in Seattle wow. so wow. that we could buy his house and live here. He then promptly went to everybody in the whole town and said, you have to be nice to these people. <laughs> what? <laughs> they all knew our names. When we showed up here, Alberto had gone to everybody in the comune Including and the mayor. the mayor, everybody, and said, this is the, you know, Savina and, and Mark, and they're the Americans, and they're going to live in our house, and they're our friends, and we will hear about it if you're not nice to them. <laughs> and there you go. And then he decided to sell us all the furniture that went with the house. We walked in and we bought the entire thing for 170,000 euros. What? No. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it was coming. <laughs> no, you didn't. Yes, we did. Yes. Oh my God. This we really is, did. This is some story. And how many years ago was that? Five. Oh my God. Only five years ago. Wow. <laughs> that is incredible. You by itself is worth about a million. Wow. I, that was a good buildup. That was a good buildup, man. Oh. Now, now, let me. There's a little epilogue to that, and, mm -hmm. and we didn't actually know this at the time. We we're just learning all this stuff as we went along. Italy says because they want to protect the houses of middle class people, especially retired people. Because, as you know, in the U.S., you can get taxed out of your house. You can. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just really hard. The children leave. You have this huge house. You can't maintain it. You know, taxes go up. There's demands in the marketplace. It's really hard to hold on to a house. They make sure that that's not a problem because if you attest that it's your primary home, where you're going to live, it's your main home, you sign a document to that effect that's notarized, there are no property taxes. Wow. What? <laughs> Zero. Oh my god! So you All have right. to you you have to pay like a, a comune fee, which covers like garbage and stuff, uh, and and then you have your regular utilities and so forth. But you never pay any property tax on your primary residence, That's which is amazing. why Alberto wanted to sell it because it wasn't his primary residence, so he mm -hmm. was paying taxes on it. Gotcha. And so he wanted to sell it, but he was willing to basically make it the sweetest possible deal in order to have the perfect situation where he could <laughs> actually sell it 
to the person that his mother insisted he sell it, so he got to keep his promise, but also someone who he identified as Italian, do the best of both worlds. And he was very, they helped us out for like three months, oh my driving God. us places and oh my goodness. Us, helping us set up our utilities. And I mean, they literally <laughs> spent three months driving us around Marque, helping us, telling people to be nice to us, really. And it was amazing. They're wonderful people. Absolutely wonderful people. One, one, one more thing to add is, because it's an attitudinal thing that probably made the difference. One of the reasons why I think real estate agents don't bring the buyer and seller together, because either one could say something that would blow the deal. The seller could reveal some flaw, would diminish the value. Or the buyer might say something rude like, oh, we'll tear down that wall. We hate that. <laughs> you know, take that out. You know, or whatever. You know, yeah. I mean, you don't know what they're going to say. Sure. And so they don't really want those parties to see each other until Sense. the point of sale. In this case, he insisted. And as soon as we saw what was in the house, we were so, it was a combination of being relieved, grateful, appreciative, um, respectful. Charmed. And we told him that. He saw the emotions on our faces of nice. everything was lovely. Everything was beautiful. It, it, we respected the history. We respected the heritage of his family, which is a huge deal yeah. for Italians. We didn't see, we didn't make any comment that anything was unsatisfactory. Wow. And so it was this kind of little magical moment where he saw that this handoff was going to be a good one. Yeah. Yeah, we this, was a win -win. Actual... this was a win-win for both, and you were the perfect buyers. The thing I wanted to say is that when we went to the sale, because Alberto had met oh, us, right. but his sister had not, Maria Teresa had not met us. Maria and Teresa. Teresa. <laughs> Maria Teresa, see. That's his sister. No way. No, I'm just saying. Alberto's yes. sister, okay? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. But there's a sister that's named that. Is there? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I don't know this stuff. Anyway. How can I'm you not Catholic. know that? You're Italiano. I'm Italian. I'm not Catholic. <laughs> I'm, I'm the furthest thing from Catholic that you can actually obtain. I actually believe that, of course. Oh, yeah. I read that. Yes. Naturally. <laughs> so when we went to the actual sale, Maria Teresa was there and she was absolutely devastated at the idea of selling the house where she was born. And so she was crying. Her crib is still in the attic. Yeah, we still have the crib upstairs. Oh, my so, God. <laughs> She's like 70. Yeah, so anyway, <laughs> only 70, right. The best part of that whole interaction was when she finally met us and she saw that we were kind, we were friendly, and that we weren't going to use this as, as a summer home. We were going to live there. Mm -hmm. And I was telling her how I was going to plant a garden. Mm -hmm. And I was going to turn the kitchen into a, an herbal place where I made medicines. I was telling her this. And she stopped crying. Finally just said, you're our friend. Now you are part of our family. Oh. You know, and oh, our wow. And from that moment on, you know, they were there helping us. They, she wasn't upset anymore because... In her mind, Americans coming in to buy the house were going to, you know, mm -hmm. gut it or yep. yeah. you know, change yeah. it dramatically. The house is, to the most part, not much different than it was when they sold it to us. Mm. I mean, we've made a few minor changes and we'll make a few more, and, and but they're not going to be dramatic ones. Right. We invited her to come over anytime she felt like it. That's she so had, nice. Yeah, she comes by every once in a while. She, she shows up. <laughs> just the, the Italian thing of just suddenly showing up at your door. With <laughs> That's why I'm not going to be here. Place like that. It took us a minute to get used to that. Oh, it really no. did. I Being would American. never get used to that. I would never get oh, used to that. Are you? Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm a 
We'll not talk you about that's bad. I do it to other people now. It's- oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> catching, catching. So we're very curious. Uh, well, one thing I have to point out is that it's amazing with the Italian laws that they only are concerned with the habitable parts. I mean, that's what is of value to them. Meanwhile, you can convert something after the purchase, right? But I guess they no. can come in. Yes and no. After yeah. you do the permitting and all that. Yeah, we would. Do some of that, but then we have to be careful because I didn't mention this part. If you, um, I mentioned about if you own your home as the primary home, there's a, a there's another rule. If it's a luxury home, then a property tax kicks in. So if you have a big house, like with lots of, you know, it's like 5,000 square feet, you're going to pay property tax. Mm-hmm. Or, or a swimming pool. Big swimming pool, <gasps> things that are clearly a luxury class. Okay. Now you're going to pay. In fact, that is the principle of Italian taxation. We are going to tax wealth at a high rate, ah. really high. It's like the opposite of the U.S. There are yeah. no tax shelter, no tax breaks. Uh-huh. You can't get out of the taxes. You owe the taxes. Mm-hmm. And the more you make, your taxes could be 42%. You're in the $200,000, $300,000 range. Okay. Before, so you, before you get too excited, <laughs> it means that 42% are taxed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the America used to have that same thing where 50s, if you made over a certain amount, 50% of everything you made above the certain amount gets taxed. Now, what the tax rate is is very dependent on the type of money and where it's coming from and you know you have to hire a commercialista and they have to go through it's extremely complicated the commercialisti they have degrees they're like they have doctorates in the italian tax law Mm -hmm. so these folks are very smart and they are almost like they're like an accountant who's also a lawyer right so so they're very complicated but my point is is that the italian taxation system is based on if you have more you pay more if you have little you pay almost nothing it's not to my mind a bad system no but what one would call progressive in economics one would call fair (laughs) right but you do run across a rather broad number of americans who believe that evading taxation is not only a privilege that they should be able to have, but also a goal that they should have. But from our perspective, we are being given the fruits of a more socialist environment, whereas we have healthcare and we have good roads and schools and transportation. And And we have all the things that the Americans keep saying they want to have, but (laughs) the government keeps making sure they don't. Mm -hmm. And so with that goes along a higher tax rate. Sure. Well, Mark is a pensioner, so we have almost no taxes. So let's get crunching here. Talk about for your mansion, what are the monthly costs, the nope. amenities that you well, took- don't ask him. No, he no, doesn't I, do the I bookkeeping. I, yeah. Before we get to that, I'm sorry, before we get to that, your house was obviously a bargain. What, what do you would say was the average cost in your commune? It depends on what you're looking at. If you're looking at a small, what we would say apartment, but you own it, so a little two bedroom, nice, you know, nice, one bath, nice, nice little nice. place. Mm-hmm. They're selling those oh running everywhere from 70000 to 220,000 for for a nice apartment. What we would say condo kind of a thing. It's, sure, it's sure. you know, uh, owned property but multiple people in the same building. I know of the the fellow across the street 
has been selling his two-bedroom, completely remodeled, gorgeous apartment. And that one is, I think, 85000 Wow. And nice. then there's another one down the road that hasn't been remodeled and is, you know, needs some work and is as smaller and not as nice. And it's running, you know, 60000 It's not hard to find properties in, in market. I have seen apartments that were 40000 I've seen them, you know, like a, like a studio kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. I have seen some that were 150. I've seen some that were closer to 200, but that was because they were in San Benedetto del Tronto and they were big with a garden, you know. So that's the coast. So it's more, there would be be higher value on the coast. What about apartment apartment rentals? I think that they run anywhere from 500 euros a month to maybe 700 euros a month, depending. It's all regulated by the government when they look at a place. So they look at the rateable space. That's how the government assesses the home. They look at what they consider livable space and they call it rateable space. They tell you the maximum that you can rent it for based Uh, on cost of living, location, size, amenities, all that. The government literally gives you a a mark. They say the max you can rent a space for is X. Our house, for example, this huge house with six bedrooms and a kitchen and two bathrooms and a sofita and all that we could rent this house for a maximum of 1200 euros a month oh that's it wow it's amazing it it really is determined predetermined you don't have to do too much worrying about you know being ripped off right or or the rent's really high now if you're in a place with a higher cost of living like Firenze Mm. or Milano or Rome then you're going to have that factored in then it would be a lot more so that's the uh, yeah there actually there's a map there's a agency in italy called istat i-s-t-a-t and, and i i can't remember it's statistics mm-hmm, mm-hmm. italy statistic you know right. it's a it's like bureau of labor statistics but Got even it. more missions Got so it. they keep track of every single piece of data about mm-hmm. italy italians life Health, right. all that stuff. So there's, they have a map that shows cost of living for each of the 20 regions, and there's almost a hundred percent difference from one from the highest to the lowest. Wow! Amazing. If you go way to the south, the south tip of the boot, it's dirt cheap. You go to the north end of the boot, where Milan is, Lombardy, and Lombardia. Venice, and you know the big industrial mm-hmm. cities, it's high cost of living. Mm-hmm. It's probably not that much different than the U.S. in right. some regards mm-hmm. there, because the same kind of thing, global. Yeah. commerce, all of that. Sure, sure. That makes sense. But it is important to note that when you have the very low cost of living, you also have other things that go along with that. For example, less available healthcare, less amenities. It's hot as all, you know, the ninth circle of hell. Other things that go along with that low cost of living. People who often will see that this comune or this area is offering a really cheap tax rate if you live there or they're offering you houses that are super cheap or whatever the incentive might be. There's a reason for that incentive. And that is nobody wants to live there because no one likes living in the ninth circle of hell. (laughs) And they don't like living in a little town without a grocery store. And they have to drive two hours to get close to the hospital. That's not so much fun. But people don't think about that when they buy a place or Mm -hmm. when they start looking at a place. In our particular case, I most certainly did. And so we, we did, Not I mean, the reason why, one of, one of the other, there were multiple factors, but it being in the center part of the boot of the, of the peninsula, it's got some of the positive added attributes of the north, 
and the West, you know, the culture, the history, the, the education opportunities, the, mm-hmm. the wealth, museums, yeah. all of that stuff are, mm-hmm. are very accessible. And few of the downsides, because we're not tourist oriented, compared with the South, it has the small town friendliness, but not the heat and not the isolation. For us, that was the, it's the four, really nice. the four yeah. regions in the center, which are Lazio, Abruzzo, Umbria, and Marche, are the middle. You know, they're like they're like combining the best of you know all mm. the regions. Because it does get hot here, it gets gets warm enough that you know we need air conditioning. It gets yeah. cold enough that they're skiing up in the mountains if we want. Right. It gets cold right. enough that I'm kind of miserable because we're still in the middle of trying to install central heating on the second floor, at, or the piano prima. Yeah, I'm like the hat wearing four layers of blankets. That's me. So kind of winter time up here. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's not so fun. And we are on top of a mountain, so you know it's mm-hmm. snowy and mm-hmm. cold. Yeah. We don't mind yeah. that. We actually chose this particular comune aside from the glorious house, mm-hmm. the fact that you can go just about anywhere in Marque within an hour. Okay, maybe okay. I was going to ask. at the very most, mm-hmm. driving mm-hmm. anywhere. It's, it's fairly centrally located. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can get most places we want to go within an hour without any trouble at all. Is so. there anything walking distance-wise? Nope. All kinds of stuff. Yeah, every, that's actually a really, um, that's a really good point. Sonny alluded to the list that we gave to the mm-hmm. agent, the Mobilari. And one of them was, we wanted to have everything we needed on a daily basis within a 10-minute walk. Perfect. Ah. We do. Perfect. We do. We have, I mean, this this also doesn't make sense when you, you hear it. It just doesn't click with us as Americans. Mm-hmm. So this is a town of less than 1,500 people mountaintop town. We're not close to anything. We're on, on the way to anything. There's not a highway nearby. You know, the nearest one is 40 minutes away. Wow. It's not a central, you know, it, it's central on a map, but it's not a bustling. So this little village has got three food markets. Wow. Wow. It has two barbers, it has a <laughs> pharmacy, three restaurants, a hotel, a hotel, wow. several bed and breakfasts. And the restaurants are really good, by the way. Two hair salons, a clothing store, a hardware store, mm-hmm. the old-fashioned hardware store. Got a in. A dry cleaners. A dry cleaners is the thing that really shocked us. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah, bakery. bakery. A bakery. Uh, I was going to ask you. And a meat market. And a meat market. I mean, literally, you, you can... And an oh, and a convent. And you say, well, Did you say pizzeria? Well, everybody serves pizza. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> they, they, you Farfense. So there's a little albergo, which is like, kind of like a hotel. And they have a restaurant. Then one corner of the restaurant is run by Federico Funari, who's the son of the patriarch. And he runs a pizzeria right in there mm-hmm. within the restaurant he's the pizza chef he's certified he's got all the degrees they mm-hmm. take pizza real serious here by the way <laughs> really? so it's not it's not triangle right is it a triangular it's a is it a round pie do not recommend calling it a pie here okay <laughs> what would you call it Just pizza, pizza. <laughs> uh, the word pie should never actually be used in italy so if you want delivery <laughs> do you say i want pizza asporto Pizza a whole pie. Well, if you want to buy a piece, then it's pizza taglio. No, I want to buy a whole round, in, in large terrible. piece of in flour with so cheese. They, that's normally how it's served. <laughs> Uh, you, did, if you don't I, want okay. a whole pizza, you have to specify that. I Everybody, did. if you say you want pizza, they assume that you will sit down and eat an entire pizza yourself on your plate. That is how it's served. This is a little complicated. I just learned. I just learned that panini is plural. 
And that Benino. is Benino. Benino, yes. Fun sandwich. Yes, yes, yes. All right, all right, all right. You know, we're going to lose. Uh, you know, we had a bad review uh, recently. It said that we took too long to get, get to, the, to point. the point. All right, so <laughs> amenities. What point would you like to reach? <laughs> we want to know if people can afford to do this, and we want to know if people are able to get the things they need with their income. So let's talk amenities. All right. I, that would be me. I'm on, okay. the, on the deck on that one. I do the, all of the, the bill paying. I think that the biggest bill right now in our lives is simply that they have increased the cost of things like electricity and metano, which is natural gas, because of the whole war that's going on in the Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those bills are high at the moment. Now, we are also in Italy having a bunch of different government-sponsored things like putting solar on your house and you know these kinds of uh, reduction in the cost. And we actually are planning that for our house. We have a gigantic terracotta roof and a gigantic roof on top of next to our terrace on my laboratorio. And if we replace even a fraction of those tiles with uh, solar panel terracotta tiles, we will be able to power the whole house and probably have the communes. So we will do that. It's just a matter of when and how and, and sure. the, the processes. In terms of utilities, aside from the high-end electric bill and the metano bill, which is the, the gas. That they are. Well, yeah, in the winter, winter, our electric bill runs about 600 euros and it's every other month. So that's about Wait, 300 600 a month. euros? For two months. Oh, okay. So 300, so 300 a, month. a month. That's really high. That's Normally, high. it would be about 200. And I thought 200 was high, but this is a very big house. No insulation, <laughs> and you know, you're heating an igloo. <laughs> it is not efficient. Uh-huh. So there is that factor. So I, I think that you should kind of discount what we have for uh, electricity or for gas, for heating especially. So gas. The, is- the water bill costs us maybe 20 or 30 months. The garbage bill is 100 a year. The internet. Yeah, uh, we have the best you can get because I'm not very patient with bad and slow connections. Yeah, and so I have fibra, fibra, which is fiber optic. It costs uh, seventy euros every two months, so thirty five. Oh, months. that's fair, okay. and that's like the high end, right? Yeah, our telephone bills for our cellular phones cost us less than twenty a person. And that's for unlimited everything. So, I mean, obviously, if I'm calling the US, you'll have to pay for that. But just general service in Italy uh, costs us, I think, 16 a phone. So for unlimited data, messaging and phone calls. The cost for the car, uh, we have un cento per cento elettrica. So we have a completely electric car. Uh, We have a loan on that car that costs us about um, 300 a month. It's brand new, so obviously it's a fancier thing. Maybe 75 euros a month to charge it. So we don't really spend a great deal. Maybe uh, it's averages between 15 and 20 a week to charge it. And mm-hmm. although they have specials all the time. So, you know, sometimes we don't have to pay if we go on Saturdays or what have you. <laughs> we have cat food. I mean, really, uh, I don't food, know. Well, food, <laughs> food, 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 yeah, food. Yeah. I spend approximately 100 to 150 euros a week or so every mm-hmm. 10 days, perhaps okay. Okay. in terms of food. I would say that we overall spend maybe 400 a month, depending on how fancy I decide to cook. Okay. <laughs> but if you were living on say a budget Mm -hmm. and we're trying to cut corners or to uh, 
eat as inexpensively as possible, which many, many people do. And you didn't want to go out and buy the nice wine and you were just going to, you know, subsist on really excellent meat, vegetables and staples. Mm -hmm. Then I would say you could very easily feed two people on half what I spent. Wow. Very nice. Mark had mentioned an article, marketwatch.com. They had interviewed you guys. So all in, it was reported that you guys pretty much spend about 2,400 a month, give or take. Obviously, we're not counting in the current period. Yeah. So that's really nice. I mean, even someone without the purchase of a home, of course, but even someone who let's say, has a uh, social security income and there's two of them, it's possible to live where you are, you know? Well, that taglines right into the visa process because the visa process has a very specific income bracket that you have to meet in order to Ah. be hired in Italy. As long as you're meeting that income bracket for where you want to live, because it is customized, for example, if Mark and I had gone to the consulate and said, we want to live in Rome, and they looked at our income, they would have said, that's not going to work. Because the cost of living in some place like Rome is twice yeah. what it is in Marti. Mm-hmm. So our income would not have been sufficient mm-hmm. in this particular case, because we wanted to live in a place with a very low cost of living. I mean, there's a lot of Italians who live on, you know, 1200 a month, and mm-hmm. they have families on that. Right. <laughs> so we are considered wealthy by our the standards here. Mm-hmm. We don't see ourselves <laughs> wealthy. You know, certainly uh, sure. there are months where money is tighter than others, but yeah. But your the cost Italians of living, we're rich. Your so. cost of living in Marque is less than when you were in Seattle. By, oh, yeah. oh, like right. a third. By like a yeah. third. Yeah. yeah, so that's nice. That's yeah. very nice. I mean, Seattle's gone up, of course. Way back when we were beginning to, because Sonny at some point asked me, you know, when I started to think about retirement, I mean, I, I didn't really have any, I, stupidly, I didn't have any plan for retirement. It was like, okay, it's going to work out. <laughs> Mark, Mark, you are not alone. Okay, yeah. you're not alone. We spend our lives. Yes, me. I make yes. everything work out. I yes. don't really do yes. that. Yes. So we talked about where I might like to retire. And she said, well, what, what do you think about Italy? And I went, huh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but then I thought immediately, oh, shit, you know, we can't. How do you do that? How, what does it cost? Right. So we happened to be staying with the, this British couple that had a cabin that we rent. We rented every year. And we had dinner with them and, and asked, well, what does it cost you to live? You know, they were retired, retired mm-hmm. school teachers. And this is in Marque? Yes. Yeah, it was about... They just about, live a few vill- villages over. He said this over dinner. He said it was about about 30000 a year. Yeah, 31000 is what it said. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and then it was like, yes. <laughs> now that is it, amazing. Well, I mean, that was... Yeah, so eight years ago, and it's gone up. But Inflation still. happens everywhere, but it's not dramatically more than that. Right, and, right. And we we can choose to live more economically mm-hmm. if we needed to. We could have chosen a smaller house. Right, right. We sure could enough. we could Maybe have done a lot of different things, and we looked at smaller houses. Considering the way that he works and I work, having this big house works really well because <laughs> I have the upstairs and he has the downstairs, and we come together at meal times. Yeah. And <laughs> and he doesn't interrupt me when I'm sewing, and I don't interrupt <laughs> him when he's writing, and that works out well for everyone. Ah, do you guys have signs door. outside the door like "Occupado"? Do not disturb. <laughs> Occasionally, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and comparison with Seattle, we had lived in a thousand square foot loft, mm-hmm. one room. Oh, but that's so nice, a thousand square foot. Well, <laughs> at, you have to re- recall that at that time he was traveling okay. all the time for work. 
And so that's so nice. We got all the, you know, alone time we really needed sure. because he was traveling all the time. But once we <laughs> moved here and he was retired, yeah. that would have been a different thing. <laughs> uh, that first year was a struggle for me. I'm not used to having a man in my back pocket. <laughs> all right. We're not going to go there. <laughs> All right. I have to ask you uh, before I forget, actually, what does it cost to get to the airport taxi wise? There are car services that go all through market. Uh, We know some out of Ascoli. We know some from friends that uh, operate them here. Mm -hmm. And they usually offer front door service, basically pick you up at the airport or take you to the airport Mm -hmm. for about 100 euros. Now, that's to Rome. Rome. So that's four hours, gas and all that. So it's not bad. That was my main Uh, question. But the other thing that we use often is called Flixbus, which goes from the coast. It's a bus line that runs up and down the coast. It's an express bus, and it goes directly from the coast to the airport in Rome. These are luxury. Yeah, nice, nice inside with the, the big cavern underneath for the luggage and sure. the nice seats and the Wi-Fi and a bathroom okay. and all that. It's not hard to get to the airport from here. 12 euros for the bus. Like That's five. amazing. 14 if you take luggage. So <laughs> I have driven to Rome and picked up my son because I don't just drive to Rome for people <laughs> who are visiting. I drive to Rome because I want to see my son and yeah. haven't seen him for months. Yeah. And he's oh, a lovely man. So what happens is I pick him up and then I drive and then he, when he's rested a bit, then he'll drive for bit and it's uh, not so bad it makes sense. because yeah. we usually have to stop somewhere and charge the car halfway in between because uh you know we'll run out of battery juice right the bus isn't bad the bus okay. is actually quite relaxing there's wi-fi there's a bathroom you have a nice comfy seat covid measures in place there's not yeah. that many people on the bus my next question and these are gillen specific is if i didn't want to cook anymore could i just live on well all right maybe i'll eat out twice a day is that feasible you think it, for the prices in your area the restaurants if you had the funds for it, certainly. I mean, obviously, <laughs> eating out is more expensive than cooking for yourself. Right. But what would you but, say the average meal is for lunch and dinner? Where you well, eat? they have this lovely thing here called uh, pranzo del lavoro. Pranzo del lavoro is because... As part of the paycheck, when a man works for a company or a woman works for a company, you are obligated as a business owner to provide them a meal in the middle of the day. Yes. Hmm. Right, right. This is a lovely thing that I think is amazing. It's included in your paycheck. Oh, God. So... You can make two choices. You can get this little, uh, it's a little like a receipt, right? Uh, A voucher. And you can take it to any restaurant that has a sign on it that says pranzo di lavoro. And they will give you a meal. They'll give you a plate of pasta and a beverage and a cup of coffee and, you know, a vegetable probably. Uh What about tiramisu? No. (laughs) No. You'll have to buy the two-year-old tiramisu yourself. (laughs) Or you can take that shit and save them up. And at the end of the week, you can go over to the grocery store and turn them in for food. And then you can make your own lunch. Wow. It doesn't matter. You can use them either way. However, that being said, other people can take advantage of the pranzo de lavoro, which just ends up being between 7 and 12 euros, period. We can go out and have a nice pranzo de lavoro for under 20 euros, and we get a plate of pasta and a coffee and a drink and a vegetable, and we enjoy it. Wow. So yeah. the ones that have the best pranzo de lavoro, all the restaurants that are really known for the best ones, those are the ones that are bustling at lunchtime. Excellent. Yeah, sure. Very nice. Okay. There's also small restaurants, little cafes. 
and, mm-hmm. and the bars will all have inexpensive sandwiches and I mean things that are like mm-hmm. two or three euros. Okay. I just did that the other day and we had a nice lunch for nice. Well, under ten for two of it, us. We had wow. two drinks and two grilled sandwiches and it cost six euros. Wow. wow. See, so you've answered my question. If I want to eat healthy, that's another point. But if I'm gonna have grilled cheese, you know, <laughs> once actually those week, are really healthy sandwiches. They yeah. were mine was actually mushroom and I recall it was spalacotta, so kind of like ham a little bit. Oh, nice. And Mark had cheese and ham, Mm -hmm. and they were made with fresh bread. They're not... They were not particularly unhealthy. Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. see a lot of unhealthy food here because everything's it's just so not really a thing. I yeah, mean, you can it, you can it. eat your tiramisu to your heart's content, or zuppa inglese, which is even worse, <laughs> or, or have you know panna cotta every other minute, yeah. or you could yeah. really dive into the concept of aper- aperitivo and aperitivo, oh, which are God, another thing. Aperitivo, entirely. yes, yes, we've had that. Okay, well, right. aperitivo is aperitivo, but at night. Talking about healthy items. How's the health care in your area? And do you use the government health care and are you allowed to? We have both have Tessa Sanitaria, which is the government's health care card. And we both use the Italian health care and it is excellent. We have a local doctor here in the village. So she has set hours. But I also have her WhatsApp number. So if I have an emergency, I just send her a text. Nice. Ah. <laughs> We've done that. There have been moments where I was like, I have this ouchie. Can you help me? And she's always send you a prescription to the pharmacy. And then I walk up to the pharmacy and get it. Or the pharmacist walks down and drops it off at our house. Or what? Wow. Where's the nearest hospital? About a half hour from here, 40 minutes. And they're building building a new one. They are. And there's also Guarda Medica in the village as well, where they'll take you by ambulance if you have an emergency. So we have a Blue Cross EMTs here Mm. as well. That are free. All of it's free. I never paid for a doctor visit yet. Right. They have all the specialties if necessary and so on and so forth. Those kind of things can be... Extra. Well, yes. So let me explain a little bit. General preventative healthcare costs nothing. There's a thing the doctor can write that's called an impegnativa, which means a necessity. And she writes it out like a prescription. And if you take that to the hospital, there will be a small copay usually, but it's not a lot of money. If you want to see someone more quickly, because a lot of times those impegnativas, you can wait months to see a specialist. Yeah, yeah. If you want to see someone more quickly, you have to go to a private doctor who can then also send you with an impenitiva for tests or medicines or whatever, which you won't pay for. But if you want to actually get an immediate appointment, then a lot of times you go to a private doctor. And Americans hear private doctor, they think, oh, yeah, yeah. so expensive. I can tell you that I took Mark in to see a cardiologist with a full workup and uh, one of those, you know, electrocardiograms yep. and the whole deal. And we paid 70 euros for it. Whoa. Wow. Very nice. And that's for private. Incredible. That's the private doctor. Sure, sure, sure. So that was the expensive doctor. Okay. The doctors you know, are paid by the government here. So they don't have a need to gouge the patient. All the privates also are paid by the government. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're subsidized. Also, like for example, we went in for some dental work last week and it cost 90 euros and to an italian that was a really high medical bill wow. like we actually had one of our friends who we told him and he was like oh that's so expensive i was like you know you guys haven't been to the states have you yeah really <laughs> wow so that's all great we do pay for that tessera so fee, there is a fee. there's an annual uh, fee and the annual fee is based on a percentage of your income up to a certain amount up to like the first fifty thousand or something so they base it off of a percentage 
pension is like 4% or something. So, I mean, it, it isn't a tiny sum. But by comparison to American in yeah, insurance, mm-hmm. that also then has all the deductibles and things yeah, that yeah, yeah. covered yeah. and all that. Ridiculous. So, I mean, we, we end up paying about under 2000 a year nice. for our health care. For everything. And yeah. that covers everything. Also, it is good to note that emergency care in Italy is always free for ah, everyone. Nice. Foreigners. Foreigners. Wow. Anybody who shows up on the doorstep, it doesn't matter. If it's an emergency, it goes under what's called a red ticket, mm-hmm. and it is no cost. Very nice. And that $2,000 for the year, that's for both of you? That's for family. Very good. And what about, you're allowed to get that because of your uh, status. Can you tell us what your status is in terms of residency or visas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, again, we learned this as we went along. That we had, There were very few websites that had this information. There were very few groups on Facebook that you could find this stuff out. You could hire, in theory, uh, an expediter and a attorney that would help you through this, but you don't have to. I mean, there's no... There's no real reason to have an immigration attorney involved. I mean, they're just going to charge you thousands for doing no what any adult could figure mm-hmm. out. I mean, it's ridiculous. Unless you're there's something complicated. People do have complicated stuff. 90% of the time, people aren't that complicated in what they need. So you first have to qualify for a visa if you want to stay longer than 90 days. Just on your passport alone, anybody can do anything in Italy for up to 90 days. And then you have to leave what's called the Schengen Zone, which is essentially the EU, but plus or minus. Mm-hmm. Some EU countries are in it, some other countries are in it, and it's but it's roughly the same as the EU. So you can't just go to Switzerland and say, come back into Italy. Right, right. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're going back to essentially some distant country. So you first have to get, you have to qualify for a visa, and that's issued by the Italian consulate that serves your home country address. You don't get that in Italy, can't get visas in Italy. It's from the consulate, and you have to apply to the consulate, get an appointment, collect tons of documents, you know, income. If you own a house here, which we did, we brought the deed. Uh, we had birth certificate, you know, just stuff, just a bunch of stuff, marriage certificate, on everything, everything, just a ton of stuff. And they give you the list. So it's not a mystery. I mean, we just made sure to pay attention to the list. I showed up with a three ring binder and tags. (laughs) That's helpful because they're, they don't want to spend three hours with you. Yeah. They want to go through your, and so you just keep pulling the stuff out every time. (laughs) Here it is, here it is, here it is. And they scrutinize it. They look at it. I mean, they're, it's not like, um, my image of it was came from movies, which is some uniformed official behind the desk. Is yeah. interrogated you, like a like a, a clerk, of an intelligent guy, and he was behind a bulletproof glass banker type window, and he just looked at each of the documents. And after half hour, forty minutes, or whatever, he said, "You know, everything looks pretty much in order. We can't give you a definitive answer now, but looks good." It's more, it's, it seems more intimidating when you imagine it than it actually mm-hmm. is. May I say though, that one aspect of it that people tend to get wrong yeah, yeah. is um, the American perspective of if I do all the things, I check off all the boxes that you have on your list, that means I get the end result. Quid pro quo. Uh, you know, check, 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 check. I gave you all the things on the list, therefore I get in. That is not how it works. In Italian bureaucracy, a lot, a tremendous actual amount of leeway is given to every official. It's not that you didn't check off all the boxes, but if you really annoy them, 
or you make them feel like you think they're lesser, or you have a bad attitude or are entitled, really entitled, entitled. Yeah. then they will think of ways to make it so you can't <laughs> do it. Because there's always a law somewhere. There's a million decide. and one laws. So the way they design their laws is to have an exception to right. everything, but also to have 94 things they can add if they right. don't like you. Right, right. And so it is of utmost importance mm -hmm. that when you walk into that consulate office, because if they say no, it's no, there is no appeal is that you are cheerful and friendly and treat them like Respectful. the nicest yeah. person in the world and be completely grateful Client. for the yeah. opportunity to ask for permission to be a guest in their country. If you walk in and think they're a public servant, I'm going to treat you like one. <laughs> then I really doubt that you will have a lot of success. Yeah. And I have met a my fair share of people who did exactly that, yeah. who didn't get to come to Italy. Uh, and what so, type of visas do yeah, you have? Yeah, yeah good, good question. I was going to get to that. Basically, there are, when you look at the website, there's probably a dozen listed, but most of those are very specialized visas, like military, mm -hmm. if you're a diplomat, right. expertise, uh, skill, certain type of professional, yep. you know, that's yep. specialized. 90% come down to three visas. A student visa, which is basically aimed at people under 30. But it could be for anybody who uh, wanted yeah, to go to school. Anybody could, but, you know, younger people take advantage of it. You have to be accepted into a school or, or a language program at least. You know, a program. You have to commit to a program and show the letter of acceptance. And you have to prove you've got a certain amount of savings. I can't remember what it was, but, you know, you yeah, have place to, show to live. You can, you've got a place to live. It could be a relative. You know, you're a student. You're clearly a serious student. And they're not going to let somebody get a student visa and then tour around. They want to know that you're a student. <laughs> that being said, uh, the full year program for a language course learning Italian, you go to school two days a week. <laughs> And, and you Just can saying. work up to 20 hours a week as a student, okay. and ah. which was probably like a barista. Okay, so there's the student visa. Then there's the work visa, which sounds on the surface like, oh, I'd like to work in Italy. Well, not really. It's listed, and there's 10 different kinds of work visas, but most of them are for agricultural seasonal work, like mm -hmm. picking fruit <laughs> yeah, or yeah. planting har you know, for harvest time or mm -hmm. harvesting. Or working in a hotel, changing bed linens, or driving a truck for deliveries. I mean, you know, how many Americans are going to go after that? <laughs> That's the majority. And it's, it's aimed at, frankly, I mean, it's, this is kind of an economic job thing. It's aimed at third world countries so they can have a decent job. They're, they're might, they might only be making a modest amount, but for them, it's, it's good. It's good, solid work. And so, there are a lot of immigrants here from North Africa, from the Middle East, from India, from Pakistan, Bangladesh, all over the world that are doing these kinds of jobs, supportive jobs, service service sector jobs. When you carve all that away from the 70,000 work visas that are issued annually, because there is a quota, carve all that stuff away, you end up with what's called a self-employment visa, which has several subcategories. I don't need to go into that. And that number globally is 500 mm. period for the whole country for the whole world no the whole world globally. for people all over the world right coming I mean, in Italy. yeah you can imagine thousands of people competing for those 500 
work visas. I mean, it's a very low probability. Let, let's just say <laughs> that getting a work visa is darn near impossible. Yeah. Unless you actually know someone who's already got the ability to give you a visa or if you want to find a job teaching because there's no quota in schools for, say, university teachers, they can give you a work visa. So the general run of people who might think that living in Italy is glamorous and they could get a job as a barista and live in Italy, that's not going to happen. That you'd either have to have someone who owned a bar over here that was your friend who could offer you such a thing, or you just aren't going to be able to compete. Sure. I mean, they're only going to get those to the people that really are exceptional and are implementing something unusual and amazing. The last visa is really the only uh, option. Wait a, minute, wait a minute, I'm not quite finished. It will occur to people go, well, wait a minute, I can work remotely. Can't do that. That requires a work visa too of the 500. Now, then the next question is, well, how would they ever know that? If I'm just working online, how are they going to know that? Well, they will because you're, as soon as you've stayed the 183rd day, you are officially a tax resident and are obligated by law to report sources of income and the income. Are you going to report <laughs> that you're violating immigration right. law? So now you're breaking two laws. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you're found out, they can fine you, deport you, and prevent you from coming into Italy for up to 10 years. Ooh, wow. I don't want that. I mean, it's a stupid thing right. to think, oh, I can do a workaround. Yes. It's just not going to happen. It's just, you know, that is out of the question. Now, the third one that Sonny was alluding to is the one that we have, which is the ER visa. And that's got a deceptive name because it it stands for elective residency, which sounds like anybody can elect mm -hmm. to be a resident. Right. No, you have to prove the 31000 a year annual passive income, which comes from Social Security, pensions, or annuities. In other words, not work. You cannot work. You have to essentially say you're not going to work. You're fully sure. retired. And you have to show where you're going to live, and you have to meet, you have to have your own health, you know, uh, for the first year, you have to have your own health insurance. So that's going to limit, it's, un it's an unfortunate thing from some perspectives. But when we look around and see who's here from particularly the US or from the UK or English, English speaking countries, it's either people under 30 or over 60. If you're between 30 and 60, you're probably not going to be able to live here. I don't know what to say. It's, unless, unless you have an adequate passive income. Yeah. There are people that are on, you know, we call them, well, um, uh, what do you call it? Trust, Trust fund babies. There are people like that, mm -hmm. but how many are those? You know, right. so right. it isn't, it, we're so used to moving from state to state. Hey, I'll just go there and work and, you know, I live my life. Everybody, every country has got immigration laws and this yeah. is no different. Yeah. Right. And so it's just that people think they can do it. What we, what you have to do is you have to have a plan, yeah. <laughs> life plan. Okay. As we get closer and closer to retirement, what do we need to do to make that dream happen? Dream is not going to happen probably if you're 42. It's just not. Unless you want to go to school. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. that works. Mm -hmm. you know, that My works. son is 30, mm -hmm. and under the elective residency laws, he can't just come in as my son because we are retired, but he is not. Mm -hmm. And so he's coming in as a student. Ah. He's going to go to school, and the first year he's going to go to a language school because he needs to speak fluent Italian. And then after that, he's going to apply to a prestigious music school and get a master's in music. Oh, and great. he likes that idea. 
Yeah. And since he already has a place to live, uh, he can pull <laughs> it off. Also, as an artist, he would very easily be able to go and get uh, either work as a musician, take private lessons, give private lessons, I mean. He could also do the same kind of work that I do, which is as an external special expert. There is an exception, and this only applies to someone who already has residency. So it's very important to note. If you have residency through some other means, as a student or as elective residents, then you can, in fact, be hired outside of the quotas, outside of the work visa programs, as an external expert ah. in Madra Lingua Inglese, ah, so mother so language speaking English, because yeah. the only people who can actually do that are from outside Italy. And they make an exception. And not only is it a the one type of work you can get where you're literally going into the school teaching a subject in English for the students because they have kind of um, parameters they're trying to meet with exposing their students to English, but they pay very well indeed. Yeah, so, it's such a need. Back to the... You know, very much a niche. I know some people are, they get all bent out of shape. Well, why are they discriminating against people in working age? Well, there is a reason. <laughs> Italy has had for at least 25, 30 years, an unemployment rate in the mid-20s. Yeah. They don't want to have people come in and compete with right. Italians. Sure, and sure. Young Italians, their unemployment rate is 35%. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You get any kind of decent job, they have to go to your, Germany, Austria, France, whatever, to, you know, they, they're they're being, it's protectionism. Right, right, right. To me, and that's no, not a problem. I mean, why? Yeah. That's why? a perfectly reasonable thing right. for the Italians to do. Yeah. Right. To limit the number of working age people that can come in because they can't get enough jobs for the people they have already. Sure, of course. That's, yeah. right. that's right. That's fair. So yeah. if you can't arrange your life around some of the parameters that the Italians offer, then you're going to either have to wait until you can arrange your life around those parameters or you're going to have to decide to do something else. Mm -hmm. Italy has very specific specific and very rigid laws when it comes to certain types of people coming in. If you have a passive income and can meet the other parameters that they give, then you can absolutely be an elective resident and retire here. But if you're someone who thinks that they can continue to work either from the computer or otherwise, I don't think that that's going to be feasible for you. And the electric residency, do you have to renew that? Oh, yes. Oh, no, 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 no. That's no. the permesso di no, no. Wait, uh, Okay, I, I didn't, I don't know how long we have here. <laughs> So, so why, don't, why don't I do this here, Derek? Okay. So, uh, so I, I will I will be a little quicker. Okay. So no, 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 I will say, Mark, that was very helpful. That whole explanation was one of the most helpful sessions I think we've had. Yeah. I was totally taken in. Kudos. Okay, Sunny. Part two. So the process is thus: you get the visa. Then you get your elective residency, and the elective residency is obtained by going to the Questura, and you go through a whole immigration process. So they fingerprint you, they photograph you, they do this whole big long interview, you have to fill out a million and one pieces of paperwork, mm -hmm. and you get what's called a permesso di soggiorno, which is permission to stay. Ah. And that is what has to be renewed. So you have the visa, and it gives you the year, and the reason why it gives you that year is so you can get the permesso di soggiorno. Okay. Ah. We okay. first arrived, we didn't know that, we didn't understand how it worked and we were going around and there was this whole story with the mayor helping us and it was crazy. <laughs> I mean, they literally called
called the mayor to help us. It was amazing. One of the oh, ladies in the shops found right. out we were really confused, and she called the mayor up, and he came in on a Saturday and tried to help us. It was <laughs> it was nuts. But yeah. we yeah. had to go yeah. to a patronato, which is a, a, a government organization that helps people fill out the documentation and the bureaucracy. Anyway, so every year to two years, depending on what you have, you have to renew a permissive de sojourno. And then there's another thing where it's a agreement. It's an immigration agreement. And that agreement is something you sign that says you're going to do certain things while you're here on the Promesso di Sojourno, like learn a very basic level of Italian, get a doctor, you know, buy a house or rent a place, mm-hmm. basic things. And they it's on a point system. So go as long as you cl- uh, go to a civics class, I mean, all these kinds of mm-hmm, little things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as long as you tick off all the boxes and get all the points that you're supposed to have, it's, you need like 30, I think it is, or something. We got all those 30 just by living. So mm-hmm. it wasn't hard. <laughs> if you do all those things after the second or third year, I forget what it is, yeah. they have you sign another thing and that says you are now no longer on pro probation, so to speak. Oh, okay. So you guys can stay there. You can stay there as long as you want now. Yeah, but you do have to renew the Permesso di Sojourno. And then at the five-year mark, you get what's called a Permesso Lungo or a Permesso Illimitato, which is an unlimited Permesso that only has to be renewed every five years. Because right now we're on the the one to two year cycle and it is Mm. a hassle because sometimes it takes six months to get an appointment. So it's pretty challenging. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the Permesso Limitato means that you only have to renew it every five years, and it's mostly just to give them an updated photograph. And at the 10-year mark, you can actually apply for citizenship. If you've been here for 10 years as a legal resident for 10 years and pass a language class, a higher and, level, higher you know, level these kinds language. of things, I thought then they, you can get yeah. the actual citizenship if you don't have any other pathway to citizenship. That is one of them. Mm, okay. In our particular case, I actually have a great-grandfather who's Italian and a great-grandmother who's Italian, and in theory, I should be able to get uh, citizenship in that means unfortunately there's a couple documents that I've not been able to obtain mm-hmm. and until I actually am able to obtain them I can't actually go that route so we right, may end right. up just doing the five-year ten-year thing yeah that's yeah. easier that's the process I was just going to add that we had the guests from Italy it took them 10 years to establish criteria for the citizenship because she found in a very circuitous way a relative and she actually went to Sicily and then someone's friend of a friend somehow in a very convoluted way she was able to connect with the relative and mm-hmm. get the evidence or the evidentiary documentation and then they were able to get it of her grandparent meantime, yeah. and the husband's like what year are we in and 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 the wife was like, I'm on it. I'm on it. And in the 10th year, but they were visiting all those years. <laughs> in our case, it's it's an American document I can't get. Italian oh. documents were very easy to obtain. Wow. And I actually yeah. have tracked a, a tremendous amount of the genealogical data. I yeah. am a yeah. really good researcher. So I've got all the I've got photos. I get everything. Yeah. But there's an American document I can't get because the state laws of Michigan prevent anybody but the person in question from getting this document. I have been unable to obtain it. And until yeah. I am able to obtain it, there is no way I can go forward. Mm-hmm. Got it. All right. Let's move on to language. Sunny, you, <laughs> you seem to have a great handle on the Italian language. She's is, proficient. She's I would say Abastanza. I I speak enough Italian. No, she could argue on the phone with people. (laughs) <laughs> Mark is so funny. You say that like I argue often. <laughs> I do not. Intimidate the service. Now, this is something else. I don't actually argue with people on the phone. I rarely have to facts. argue, but I do scare them. 
So it's you... completely unintentional. I don't know what it is about my manner or my way of speaking or my persona, but a lot of the people who come to do services for us, if I'm even slightly irritated about something, they start getting really nervous, like handshaking, dropping pools. <laughs> and to this day, I don't know why. I mean, I'm a pacifist. I would never hurt anyone, uh, but they get scared. I think it's the way you carry yourself. You're very regal. I mean, I, I, no, 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 you are. I mean, you know, we have not met in person, but I can just tell the way you speak, the way you present yourself. And no, it's, it's so, it's true. Yeah, I, it is. I can see being intimidated by you and listen, not, not too many people intimidate me. All right. I'm a real Brooklyn girl. Oh, yeah, uh, we had the, the service provider for our internet service, and we had a whole series of disasters around that whole process. <laughs> it took three months to get our Fibra installed. And even after it was installed, it didn't work for another month because oh. this company kept saying it was the other company's fault. And oh, the other company God. said it was the first company's fault. Yeah, and they just yeah. kept going back and forth. And I'm like, I don't have service. I'm paying you money for this. <laughs> That they now have me kind of labeled as the scary American woman, <laughs> and only the manager will speak with me. None of the other people will talk to me because it isn't that I'm ever even slightly rude, because I'm not, but I scare them so bad that they ask the manager to talk to me, so I can't actually get through to the tech people anymore because... Like it's her red light, red light. Okay, but, right, but do you need to speak? Up. But do you need to speak Italian in, in your community? Absolutely, yeah. Nobody okay. but one person speaks English here, wow. and she's not Italian, <laughs> she is Russian, and she came in 20 years ago and married an Italian, and she was actually a translator by profession, oh. and so she speaks five languages. Wow. And so wow. she likes talking to us because she gets to practice her English, yeah. Nice, she nice. was the one they called the mayor for us. Oh, but, nice. But Sonny, Sonny spent a year or two before we moved using Duolingo and Babbel. No, not mm. Babbel. Oh, I had Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone. I, I, mm. I made the absolute horrific discovery after spending two years practicing Italian online and using Rosetta Stone that Rosetta Stone teaches you formal Northern Italian. Uh. We do not live in northern Italy <laughs> and no one in Marche uses formal Italian <gasps> and so all the verb conjugations were completely incorrect oh, and most of the pronouns were completely incorrect oh. and a whole lot of the actual word structures the grammar was wrong we showed up at, to our house and I could understand absolutely no one <laughs> wow. two years well you know what that makes you an expert teacher of that language there you go Oh, that's that's on your list to do. I kind of do that at school. I, just, yeah, I, I well, have a job at the moment teaching teenagers oh, yeah. at oh, cool. the local, it's called Ipsia, a fermo, and it's what the Italians look at as a high school. It would be more like community college in American terms because they have secondary school, which is kind of like middle school. Mm. But at that point, at the age of 14, they take aptitude tests and then they get to make choices about which vocational school they want to go ah. to because it isn't just high school. Right. It's vocational high school. Cool. So you learn a trade. A trade, yeah. Or, or their art school. And there's art schools. Right. Yeah. They have science. They have a science school. They have vocational school. And then they have an art school. And there's probably others. The one I'm at is the vocational school where they teach different things. Like trades. they have um, shops and electronics and so forth. 
I, on the other hand, am teaching moda, and that would be fashion. Cool. And so I'm teaching how to sew. Finding a madralingua resident capable of teaching in English and teaching sewing in English is a very, very narrow niche. Yeah, a needle mm-hmm. in the haystack, man. They are paying me quite well for that. Very well, that's nice. great. Excellent. But, but by contrast, I'm like way behind Sunny in fluency, but I know enough that if I translator. go out and go shopping or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, you have a living translator. I can communicate what I need. I mean, part of the situation here is that we don't have too many crutches. If there were other expats, we'd be spending all our time talking English. This total immersion, you just have to to pick it up. Part of it is just like a child. You're hearing the same phrases over and over again. Sure. Oh, I can say that, you know, and get my needs met. Then there's another thing that enters in. Nobody ever reveals this in language classes. There are more than 200 dialects. (laughs) And... You can't oh even lessons in that. No, I can't <laughs> right. say a word in Dialetti, and every time someone talks to me in Dialetti, I'm like Italiano, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "Excuse me," I'm like, "Oh yeah, sorry." All right. On that note, I and I forgot. I'd like to thank Nancy Steele who introduced us to you guys. She's uh, she's been a loyal fan, so thank you, Nancy, so much. This was a, a wonderful connection. I'm so glad we were able to spend the time with you guys. And thank you for your generosity and time, helpfulness with everything that you've shared with us. We are very much grateful. Well, yes. Thank you for contacting. Yeah, it was quite pleasant. I, I enjoy telling stories about our life here. It's a lovely place to live. I don't think we really had an opportunity to say how much we love where we live. We love our comune. We love the people who live here who are always unfailingly kind mm. and helpful and generous. Everyone we've met here, I mean, of all the different experiences we've had over five years, I can literally think of only a single time in that five-year period where we ran across someone who wasn't kind to us. When people say, why do you pick this little tiny town in the middle of nowhere in Italy? It's a wonderful place. And the people here are wonderful. And everywhere we go, they're wonderful to us. I have never lived in a place that I was so happy. So, Wow. That's That's great. And on that note, I have a book coming out this summer that is is short stories that I've written about people and places places that we've encountered here with uh, illustrations uh, with my sketches cool. and it does denote what Sonny just said the, the, the name of it is Navigating Paradise oh I like that title which Very is nice. a, a little bit of a riff on the, the Paradise of Milton mm-hmm. ah. and Homer mm-hmm. and so it's a similar story, stories of this you know being introduced to a different culture Very bit nice. by bit by bit and all the people in that mix wow and congratulations He's absolutely right. I mean, probably to get back to one of your early questions, what we saw almost on day one was this kindness. I mean, it's it's so it's sometimes I, I tear up because it's like these are like just decent, plain folks that want to help and are generous. I mean, just pick one of I could pick a hundred examples. The pharmacist who is now passed away, he was one of the victims of COVID. He knew that I was recovering from surgery, emergency surgery, emergency problem. And he came by the house to see if I needed a refill. Wow. Pharmacist does that. Who does that? Incredible. That's incredible. Such a great story. Yeah. Right. And to know that someone outside cares for you. Right. That's wonderful. Well, when Marco's walking through the town and I'm playing hermit at home, because I do that a lot, (laughs) they'll ask where I am. In fact, the first year we were here, they kept asking when we were going to leave. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) 
<laughs> and they kept saying, invierno, see? You know, like, Aww. you'll leave at wintertime, right? And we're like, no, no, we're going to live here. And they never, they didn't believe us. They didn't believe us for, for, for like the first year. And then eventually it's like somebody realized we aren't leaving. When, when are you? And they're like, no, we live here now. Wow. You know, and they, that, as soon as that happened, whatever slight amount of chilliness that existed in some of the residents who were like the older guys, a little crotchety, you know, who just thought we were what, what the Italians call penuli, which means, you know, you swing back and forth between like pendulum. Oh, yeah. Houses. yeah. They thought that's what we were going to do because a lot of the Brits do that. Sure. And as soon as they realized we were not going anywhere, that all that went away. They're, now we're just part of the comune. The, the mayor calls us a part of the town. Uh, wow. They say in Italian that I'm a true Santa Vittoriese right now. Aww. So uh, Aww. That's the nicest so, compliment. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So when COVID hit, I made everybody in the whole comune masks. Like I sewed eight hours a day for oh like my goodness. weeks. Oh. I had stacks of them. It was insane. Oh, that was and so I, nice I gave them you. all to the um, the alimentare, the grocery store. And uh, people were donating fabric. I was cutting up sheets. It was oh, wow. Cool. So and nice. because nobody had masks. For the first month, nobody could get masks. Right. So people were putting socks over their faces. It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and so I made anybody who wanted one a mask. Oh, so nice. And I made hundreds and hundreds. They were shipping them off to their relatives. Oh, wow. It was crazy. Around the, the first Easter, I made little kitty cat masks and bunny masks for children. Ever since that happened, the whole commune just... Oh, my. They yeah, made, they must have been appreciative. They, they liked crazy. me a lot. Yeah, they embraced you. Yeah, oh, that's so nice. Oh, man. And, and just another little cute story, because it's one of my stories, but I'll give you an abbreviated version. That We both go to a, a barber in town who's been barbering for 40 years. He, he's like the best barber I've had in my life. He's He puts me to sleep. He's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> he uses, one of the, two he uses the razor, the straight, you know, the old. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Like, yeah. 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 And his name is Dante, after, you know, oh, named yeah. after. Yeah. Well, we've chatted with him from time to time. He's, he speaks mainly dialect, but he can speak Italian. So anyway, I was telling him after my emergency procedure, and I told a few people in town, but not many. I was just, and I, I told him, uh, hey, I, you know, I've been in the hospital. And I said, why? And, you know, he asked a couple of questions. He put his head down right in front of my face. And he said, I already know this. <laughs> Small town Small life. Town. <laughs> right. yeah. we, we are like the entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> that is so For the topic funny. of conversation that people have over, you know, did you see what yeah. the crazy Americans did last week? Yeah. That is so funny. So you have to have your own uh, YouTube yeah. channel, the crazy Americans. But you, you two both have websites. Can you tell us a little about and uh, how to find you? Mark has a, Mark has his, uh, his name is his website and he has his Mark book. Mark L. Hinshaw. Mark L. Hinshaw.com. He has all of his stories that he writes for, uh, different uh, publications in the U.S. and in Italy, as well as all of his designs and drawings that he does by hand. Uh, I am the one that builds it and maintains it. So if it's out of date, it's my fault. But, you know, it, it does take some effort to do such things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I do all the photography for it. And then I have my own website, which is actually the website that belonged to my business I had in Seattle. And I just kept the website, but I changed it. And now it is a gallery. So it's just photos that I've taken. I am an amateur photographer and so there's just so much in market and Italy that is so beautiful so I take photos of all these wonderful things and I put them up on my website I do hope in the future to put up educational instruction videos on how to make all of my herbal recipes and medicines and hand sewing and things mm. like this that are on my oh, I'm looking forward to that and what's your uh, website called? I, 
It is thehiddenalchemist.com. Thehiddenalchemist.com. I love that. Okay. Well, my, my apothecary that was in Seattle was in the underground, so you had to go down a bunch of stairs to find it, and so hence the name. Okay, guys. Well, thank you for- well, uh, thank you. This. this is both informative and very entertaining. This is wonderful. Yeah, thank you. You're quite welcome. All right. Love you guys. Take thank, care. Thank right. you so much. Bye-bye. Okay, ciao. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you know someone who's relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story with us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website is retirethere.com. And you may follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Now, if you've liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, be well. Be well.